So we're reading from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, would you help us as we come to your word? Help us to understand more about the gift of prayer you've given us and help us to come to you more as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. So for for those of us who call ourselves Christians, uh, I wonder how have you experienced God answering your prayers? Do you know what you've got yourself into when you acknowledged that Jesus is Lord who takes away our sins? You know, when you asked him into your, your life to be your Lord and Savior, you know, what, what happens then? Or what has happened as you do that? Or, or what has happened before you do that? So Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians to show them all the things that happened to anyone who believes. Just to name a few, God chose his people before the creation of the world. Uh, He adopted them to become his children through Jesus Christ. And all God's people are redeemed through Jesus' blood. And all their sins are forgiven. And he lavished on them with all the riches of his grace. And he made known the mystery of his will so that his people could know him better. So there are loads and loads of things that Paul explained to the Ephesian believers what happened. And that's just so much. And if we just, and I've been trying to explain any of that, just, just read the first few chapters before we get to our passage today. That would take seven minutes. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, if any of you who, who's still considering Christianity, uh, please give this letter a go and look out have a read and look out for um, how Paul described every blessing God has installed for for those who believe uh, according to his glorious riches and see how you can find as you read. And if you are a believer already, but you still have doubts, um, Paul tells us in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, that you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, 
the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, the language Paul used here is a, a branding language. You know, back in the days, uh, you got all sorts of uh, branding iron. Uh, you might be a slave, and you were branded by your, your owner uh, so that people know you belong to whichever master you serve. Or you might be a, a soldier of, a, of an elite force, and you get branded, and, you, and, and that's a special honor, and you take pride in, in, in being branded in, in that. And so Paul was telling the believers here, um, you were sealed. So you are marked as those who belong to God with the Holy Spirit who now lives within you. And then, then Paul goes on to explain in his first prayer, our passage is his second prayer for the Ephesian believers. So in, in his first prayer, um, he, he told them about the power that's in each of, each of them, um, which comes from the Holy Spirit living in them, which is incomparably great. And that very power which works in them is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Just imagine that. How cool is that? That, that power that raised Christ is working in our lives. But is that true of us? Have you been regularly experiencing that power? Or have you ever? Um, fast forward a little bit. Paul goes on to say in chapter 3, verse 12. So we just skip seven minutes, all right? Uh, he says, if you can just read two, two verses before our passage, if you have your Bible open. And he says, in him, and that, that's in, in Christ Jesus, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. For this reason, Paul tells the Ephesian believers that he kneels before the Father and pray for them. I think this is quite significant already. Uh, Paul could have just sat there and prayed, or he could have uh, closed his eyes and bowed his head and prayed. Um, or he could go on a, a prayer walk and pray for the believers. And obviously, there's no right or wrong ways to, to pray. It's the attitude of how we pray that matters. But often, um, our position might reflect our earnestness. And so, if you are the efficient believers, you'd have found it so encouraging just to, just to hear that someone was kneeling to, to pray on behalf of, of you. And so I think that that's why Paul, Paul was, is not trying to boast himself in needing to pray, but he's trying to encourage them, knowing that this is serious, that they want, Paul wants them to know that he is praying for them. Um, and in his prayer, we'll see Paul's passion for the church, for the church's maturity, and ultimately for God's glory. And because he wants the deep truth of the gospel to sink deep in their hearts. So knowing that the Holy Spirit living in God's people, firstly, Paul prayed that they may be strengthened to live out the Christian life. Uh, verse 16, Paul prays that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen them with power through his spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Now, isn't that strange? 
Paul already mentioned several times in, in the book of in the, in the letter to the Ephesians, um, that the Holy Spirit has already made a dwelling in the believers once they believed. Okay, so Holy Spirit is inside already. Um, and, and that also means the Christ living in them. So why, why is Paul saying here that they need power so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith? Uh, imagine Jesus come knocking on your door. Uh, you know, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords uh, coming to your place. And you say to him, oh, Lord, uh, I'm so humbled by your presence here. Uh, who am I that you'd be willing to come to visit me, to, to come in, into my house? Please, do come in. Make yourself at home. Uh, my house is your house, Lord. Uh, do, whatever, do whatever you want with my house, except that room there. Okay, do whatever you want, just don't go into that room. Uh, is, that what, what's, is that what it's like for you? Uh, it certainly is, is for me uh, from time to time. Maybe it's a room filled with piles of rubbish. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a room with uh, the leaky, leaking roof. <coughs> or a room which you hide your darkest secrets, uh, which you are too ashamed to bring to light. Or maybe it's something that you hold dear to. You simply don't want Jesus to touch it. You don't want anyone to touch it, let alone Jesus. Um, and you don't want to hand the control over to Jesus. Well, I guess we can ask ourselves, who exactly is the Lord we invited into our lives? Is he the Lord Almighty? Or is he the Lord Almighty? The word dwell in the Bible means settle down and be at home. Uh, this is the temple language that Paul's using here. God is making a dwelling in our inner beings, the same way God dwells in his temple. And God's, God knows our inner being, our inner selves, through and through. Even the rooms we don't want to show him. But he is set to turning, his, turning this residence into a place appropriate for him. A home in which he is comfortable. And there will be lots of cleaning and quite a few repair jobs that needs to be done. And he's going to do that with his power. The same power that raised Christ is the same power that's going to change our lives. To make our inner being a temple fitting for God to dwell in. Is Christ at home in your heart? Uh, paraphrase, paraphrasing what Paul says. My prayer is that Christ will be comfortable in you. And where he's comfortable, where he's at home, you will be happy and blessed also. God has already made a dwelling through his spirit in those who believe. He will never leave us. And the power of God is there for us to enable us to experience him. But going forward, whether we experience him or not, um, is often largely up to us. 
as the Holy Spirit uncovers the areas of, of our lives where we need God's help to change or to grow, would you surrender yourselves to let the Holy Spirit working in you to make you more like Jesus? So by faith, we acknowledge that Christ is our Lord, and by faith also, we surrender ourselves to him daily. And letting him be our Lord, letting him take up residence in, in our hearts and making improvements. Secondly, Paul prays that they'd have power to grasp and to know the love of Christ together. Now in, the, in the first half of prayer, Paul prays that Christ may dwell in their hearts, in their individual hearts. But the second half is a little different. Uh, before we go further, can, can we all agree that God's love is so great? Um, that's so mind-blowing. That's David Rulofs do this. Okay, God's love is so mind-blowing. Uh, how can we possibly comprehend God's love even when he reveals his love to us? Uh, you know the story of five or six blind men, depending on your version. So, so those blind men wanting to know what an elephant is like. So each of them touched and felt different parts of the elephant. Uh, but each of them only got a tiny picture of it. Well, none of them were wrong when they described what the elephant is like from what they touched, from where they touched and what they felt and what they experienced. But obviously, because they couldn't see. So there's no way they can tell what an elephant really looks like. I think we are a little bit like, like that. Even when God opened our eyes, even when the Bible told us about how, how he demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners and how Christ died for us, and we still can fully comprehend how wide and how, how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Um, that's why verse 19 describes that his love is beyond knowledge. So I think this is a bit funny here. This, is, this love is beyond our knowledge. So how can we know this love that's unknowable? Uh, the, this love that surpasses knowledge. Uh, so if we walk, work backward a little bit to verse 18, Paul says, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Each of us have experienced God's love differently. And, and as we share with one another, we were able to see a bigger, not the whole, but a bigger picture of what love, God's love is like. Uh, we began to know God's love better. And working a little further backwards, uh, second half of verse 17, rooted and established. And here Paul uses um, agricultural and architectural language to describe the, the foundation of, of this love. And I couldn't help but to, but, but this, this picture came to mind. Uh, for, those, for those of you who are botanical geeks, uh, you should have known about the mycorrhizal network. Uh, for those of us who are not into plants, don't worry about it. I wasn't one of those geeks. Uh, 
I just knew about this concept, but then I had to look up to make sure I get the term correct. Um, this network is also known as the wood wide web. Wood wide web. Um, it's a type of social network, if you like. Now, a single tree, if you plant a single tree somewhere in a pot or, or wherever, um, the single tree could grow its roots deep and attach itself to the source of uh, nutri nutrients and keeps uh, the plant set in place. It would grow, and no problems with that. A tree could grow on its own. But the trees that are connected to this network, uh, their root systems are connected by, by the tiny threads of the greater fungal organism. And those tiny threads wrap uh, around the, and bore into the individual tree roots. And the network connects individual plants together so that water, nitrogen, carbon, and other minerals can be exchanged, transferred around between the trees. Isn't that interesting? I find it interesting. If you don't feel that, don't worry. Just bear with me. Uh, Paul wants them to know that God's love is, is not just to be privately experienced, but he prayed that together with all the Lord's people, they will grasp and to know the love of Christ and that they may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Um, what does that look like for us in practice? If you still need more convincing about the power that lives in us, um, that was given to us. If you haven't yet experienced the power that's in us to help us live out the Christian life uh, and to help us know the love of Christ, have you considered to pray with someone else? Can I encourage you to maybe pray, find, find someone that you can, who you can pray with? You know, that person would be your prayer partner. Um, or maybe find one more person to make that pair into a triplet. Prayer triplet sounds, sounds better. Uh, or just come to church prayer meeting. Uh, then you have more people to pray with. Finally, it's always proper to end prayers with praises. So that's our third point. To acknowledge who we are praying to and to give him glory. Uh, verse 20, do we believe that the God we pray to is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine? Let me tell you a story of when our country, the Britain, Great Britain, um, truly believed that and how people experience, experienced God and his amazing love when they came together to pray. Uh, if you know your history, you would remember the story of the Battle of Dunkirk. Uh, surrounded by overwhelming enemies and faced with imminent annihilation, an entire army escaped to safety by sea. And if you've watched the film, that's a good film to watch. Um, for me, I was a lazy reader, so film is always good to help me learn the history. So on, on 10th of May, 1940, Hitler unleashed a military onslaught on France and Belgium. Within days, the British army and the soldiers of other allied nations found themselves with their backs to the sea, 
trapped and waiting to be annihilated. Prime Minister Winston Churchill found himself preparing to announce to the public the tragic news involving the capture or death of a third of a million soldiers. And here comes the part of the story you might not know uh, because the film doesn't tell us that. And your history, history teachers probably never knew that this had happened either. Uh, so on the 23rd of May, King George requested that the following Sunday should be observed as a national day of prayer. Uh, late on Saturday evening, before, before the Sunday of prayer, uh, the military decided to evacuate as many as possible of the Allied forces. And they sent out an urgent request the next morning uh, for boats of all sizes and shapes uh, across the English Channel to go on this rescue mission together. Because to the Dunkirk side, the, the beach is too shallow for big, big boats, big ships to, to land, so, so they need help. Um, so on Sunday, the whole nation devoted itself to prayer in a way no one has ever seen before. And if you look up on Google, you can see videos and photos of how people queuing outside of churches and cathedrals across the country, just wanting to get in to pray. Just the earnest, earnestness that they had. But even before the praying began, here's the interesting part, and I think this is how prayer often works, how God often works, uh, strange things started to happen. Hitler ordered his army to hold for three days for some strange reasons, no one knows why. And his generals were so furious about, you know, why, why is the Fuhrer stopping us to attack? They, they just didn't understand. Um, and then, because of that, most of German tanks and soldiers stood idle while the ev evacuation took place. And not only that, bad weather on Tuesday grounded German's air force, uh, Luftwaffe. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, so German's air force was grounded so the Allied soldiers could march unhindered to the beaches. And then, in contrast, on Wednesday, the sea was abnormally calm, making the dangerous crossing of the English Channel a lot safer for those small boats that went and tried to help with the rescue mission. So by the time the German army was finally ordered to renew its attack, uh, over 338,000 troops had been rescued from the beaches. Together, they've experienced God's power at work. Together, they got to know and had a better grasp of how great is the love of Christ. And together, they got a taste of how God is able to do immeasurably more than they ask or imagine. Now, we can argue it was all a coincidence, but it certainly wasn't considered so at the time. One of the ways they, those people back in the days, gave glory to God was by declaring a national day of thanksgiving on Sunday the 9th of June. And Churchill himself called it the miracle of deliverance. So they acknowledged that this is not something man could, could do, it's a miracle. And, and that phrase, uh, the miracle of Dunkirk, 
was derived from, from that phrase, um, Churchill said, the, the miracle of deliverance. Just, in, just, just imagine when we as a church come together and continue to pray by faith with the power that's given through the Holy Spirit living in us, couldn't we expect more and ask for more? Imagine how we would be encouraged by hearing from each other the things Christ, Christ has done in our lives. And together, because of that, we would know his love better. And imagine how he could use us to make him known to the world for his glory, just as he did 80 years ago, 83 years ago. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our God who delights to make yourself known to us. Thank you that through your Son, Jesus Christ, we can boldly come to your presence with freedom and confidence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who dwells in us, working in our lives with the same power that raised Christ. Would you help us daily to surrender our control over to you. With your power, help us to become more like Jesus and, and make each of our inner beings a temple fitting for your spirit to dwell in. Father, we pray, we pray that together, we as a church family will better grasp and know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And we give you glory and thanks for you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to your power that is at work in us. To you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>